comebacks, debuts, and some dubious decisions. The 2022 Singapore Premier League season is back. 10 goals scored across three fixtures on the opening weekend that has definitely whet our appetite and given us plenty to discuss. And that is not all, Raushan. We will also be checking in with the fans to see what's caught their eye. That's right. So sit back and listen in as we look back on all the action and gear you up for match day two in the Singapore Premier League. This is the SPL Podcast. This is Farah. And I'm Raushan. Raushan, how good does it feel to have football back? Specifically, Singapore football. Ah, it's so good. It's so good. It's exciting to finally be able to go to stadiums and watch live football. And judging by the crowds I've seen, a lot of people are as excited as I am. But enough of me. Let's introduce the man in the hot seat this week. It's former head coach of Balestia Kalsa and more recently, ex-assistant coach at Geelang International. Kide Kames joins us. Kide, welcome along to the show. You Thank must you be for buzzing. Me again and again. <laughs> I'm glad <laughs> to be here, as always, and I'm here to just uh, give me give give you guys my input and then enjoy the for us to enjoy the show and prepare ourselves for the week. Yeah, it looks like you are very excited to have football back as well. I'm super excited. Did you catch on any of the games over the past week? Yeah, yeah, I went down physically to watch the Tampines and Palestine game. But the rest of the games, I didn't, I didn't manage to get down to the stadium. I only caught it on, on TV. But uh, you know, it's, it's still as, as exciting as it should be, right? even though it's on TV. And uh, I hope to see all the three games this weekend live. Okay, lovely. Because I think we're going to bring him for his thoughts a little bit later. Huh? So let's just get right into it right now. Let's begin with the first showdown of the opening weekend when we witnessed a huge upset at the Jurong East Stadium between Tanjung Panga United and Alvarez Nikata. Just to jog your memories a little, Ryo Nishiguchi with a brace in the opening 10 minutes to hand Tanjung Panga a shock 2-0 win over Alvarez. And you might be asking, just how did they do it? Well, here's the Jaguars head coach Hashin Jailani telling us exactly how they achieved the seemingly impossible. Should I say it later? Everyone will play the same thing against our Birex, but it, it depends, huh? You know, um, for us, what we did today is to uh, to play on the counter, lah. You know, you can see, yeah, we soak, we strike. But honestly, in terms of our defensive shape, excellent. You know, you look at the blocks that we have, the two blocks, then we try to 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 catch them on the counter. Because we know that against Alvirex, this team, if you play, you, you try to play, they are a pressing team. You play around here, you you, you, you kill yourself. So that's what we did. Alright, that was Hazrin Jelani telling us how it was done. How they got the miracle at Jurong West, or Jurong East even done. Kide, did you see that coming? Because Farah and I surely didn't. Well, Robert, I, I, think pre- nobody... I, I was going to say our predictions completely out the window. <laughs> yeah, but... Any more wrong? Nobody predicted... The, the the situation or the result to happen. Tanjung Paga down to the bare bone, 15 players, two of which on the subs are goalkeepers. There's so many out with maybe injuries or, or COVID positive. I'm, I'm really not too sure, but nobody expected them to even get anything out of it against Elbrex, who played really well against uh, LCS, even though they lost in the committee shield. But I think uh, they had a game plan. They knew what they wanted to do and wanted they wanted to achieve out of every single one of them knew knew their roles tactically and 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 
they they stick to it and they got lucky in a way I think yeah, to for them to score that two early goal and that uh, forced Alvarez to be more open and Tanjung Pagar just stood out the whole game being compact. You know, they played three at the back, uh, five in defense, and it's so difficult to to break them down. And even when they had spaces, Alvarez had spaces and had chances, they couldn't convert it at all. I think nothing went right for Alvarez. I think they were messy. They were all over the place. So when I was watching the game, it took me quite a while to analyze how Alvarez was playing. And even then, he was in patches. He wasn't consistent throughout. Right? But you could see from the Tanjung Pagar side that they were out in a 3-5-2 uh, formation. And in defense, they were very compact. They were, they were, they were trying to catch Alvarez on the counter. And they had the the weapon to do it in Rio and Shukri playing up front, right? So they are they are fast and they are strong. They are quite powerful, and they had uh, Sugic, who is going to be, I think, a mainstay in the assist column, right? With his uh, forward passes, vertical passes, and it 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 shows that even with that uh, that amount of players out for Tanjung, they still have something in the Arsenal to catch. Uh, Albrecht or even other teams uh, to to get a result from there. So it's an exciting, it's unpredictable, and for the first game of the season, it was really like, oh, this is something. Ah, uh, the league is going to be exciting now, right? And for Albrecht, it's uh, they are still work in progress. They haven't done a full preseason, I guess, but uh, I'm pretty sure they're going to get better. I really hope so because I, if not, it's going to be wow, it's going to be a tough season for them. Uh, I think that throughout the season they are going to be improving leaps and bounds, and they are still going to be up there. I think this is just going to be a fluke, hopefully a fluke result and a fluke or a fluke performance because they play well against LCS, and we cannot take that away from them. And uh, nothing went right for them last Friday, so let's see and hope for better results in the coming weeks. Yeah, I'm kidding. I'm completely in agreement with you. I was at the Jurong East Stadium and Farid Summit with the armband was really marshalling their backline completely, like shouting at players, telling them to get into position. Fatullah in the unnatural sweeper role almost. It was it was a really a show of Tanjo Pagas togetherness, right, to get the result done. Especially considering Elbrex did so well against Sailors, but they looked locked. They didn't know what to do yeah, yeah. against Tanjo Paga. Like they got into good positions, but the final ball was always lacking. So Slightly worrying, I agree with you for Elbrecht, slightly worrying, worrying, but you touched on it there. What a debut for Mirko Sujic, right? Now, before I get Kide's thoughts on Sujic a bit more, let's listen in on what Sujic had to say about his Singapore Premier League debut. Actually, the first one is was a class of the Rio because yes. uh, it's, it's not like either ball because I when I'm trying to assist for the for our forwards, I'm I'm trying to get easy ball to they just have one touch but Rio have like class class action because like get ball on the chest and get the volley of the turn that's unbelievable but the second ball is yeah second ball is, was well, like very great assist yeah yeah my, my biggest advantage you know when the guy just not going for the ball just going to hit me yeah. it's very hard to I'm not the fastest guy but it's very hard to stop me when I'm going full speed because I I think I can control ball very well and I'm strong. But that, that's just, uh, just a game. I, I hope we can do like great job like, like this first game. Yeah, yep, that's Mirko Sujic giving us his thoughts post-match after Tanjo Pagas now famous 2-0 win over Albrecht. Uh, Kide, you touched on it there. Sujic going to light up the assist column, you say. 
He reminds yeah. me of Nemanja Matic a bit, just the way he's so tall and he controls the game. What's your thoughts on a player like that? Uh, I think he has physical presence. I think uh, in midfield, you need somebody like that, right? And you need somebody who who dominates and you know have uh, have that physical aura, especially in a team like like Tanjung, right? Where I I doubt they are going to be be very very attacking team. I doubt so, but. Uh, and which is why I think his presence is more is a lot more important than maybe Blake. Uh, mm. yeah, so uh, he has the ability to pick out the passes. He has the ability to find the spaces for Rio to run to, or if let's say Nizam comes back or Ambri comes back to pick um, these two players out. And at the same time, he can protect the ball really well. It's very difficult to to shake uh, him off and and get the ball off him. You can see a few times Albiex. I mean, Alvarez players are not physically tall, right? So when they are against him, you can see the players are just at his shoulder, right? Uh, so yeah, yeah. Uh, that's another thing. He can protect the ball really well. He can screen the ball. And he, he, he's always in a good position, always wanting the ball. And uh, if you have midfield players like that, you know, uh, it's, it's, uh, it makes your attacking players a little bit easier. You just make the run and then somehow he will somehow pick you up for you to just run into and you know and attack the space, and I would see him. I mean, yeah, he will be a big loss if somehow he gets injured or or he doesn't collect the cards or whatever you know suspension. But yeah, I see him to be a very important uh, player in the, in the team for Tanjo. Farah, just quickly, I want to get your thoughts, Farah. Elbrex, uh, how worried should we be about Elbrex because? Like he did touched on and I touched on earlier, they looked a bit lost going forward. Yeah, they do look a little bit lost. I mean, like I think Hide was saying the the final ball into the box was quite poor, poor, both in the community shield and like on match day one. And they just don't seem quite themselves yet. And I don't think although even though they don't seem they are quite themselves yet, I don't think it is a cause for concern because again, it's we're just into the start of the season and Elbrecks are Elbrecks, you know, they they will always have that quality with them, even though they have this bunch of like youngsters and all of that. They will definitely get into the groove. Hopefully, you know this come this weekend. Yeah. I, I I wouldn't be worried. Here, here's a hot take. I I don't think Elbrecks are going to be Elbrecks. I hear both of you <sighs> saying Elbrecks are Elbrecks. I just feel, nah, this is not the year. This is the year where I almost feel they there will be. Singaporean teams who are going to show them up. And this is not throwing this service at Elbrex because they might a Japanese outfit or anything. I just feel maybe this season is when they don't find their togetherness. I'm not suggesting they finish bottom half, but I think they will struggle to recapture the glories of previous season. What that means for the league will stay and find out. All right, moving on to the second game of the weekend where Belstia Kalsa drew two all with Tampanese Rovers. Boris Kapitovic and Taufik Suparno gave Tampanese a 2-0 halftime lead only for the Tigers to produce such a stunning comeback in the second half with Jumbo and Bruno pouncing on defensive lapses again to secure themselves a point. Kide, you mentioned being at Puapayo Stadium. How did you enjoy the action? What do you make of it? I mean, for the neutrals, it's good, right? It's uh, you have you see four goals, but I think from a technical side, from the Valencia's bench, I think it was going, to, it was really nervy for them in the first half. Not every, I mean, they are trying to a new new style of play, which uh, they want to build up in the back. And to me, at all costs, especially in the first half, they really didn't want to break the first line of of uh, defense for 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 Tampines, but they got caught. Almost every time, and it was scary. It was scary. I think 
on a good day, Tampering would have scored four or five in the first half, and then the whole game would be over. But uh, they didn't capitalize on that, and uh, somehow Akbar made a tactical change in the second to consolidate the midfield, and then they didn't really build up on the back that much. They attacked through transitions from the middle, and that's how they scored the first goal. And also, somehow, you know, uh, in the second half, the the Uh, the momentum of the game swing across to Valencia as well, and then again through defensive lapses, he scored the second. But if uh, you want to look at it in the technical point of view, I think it was a very poor half by Valencia the first. Uh, they they, but at least I think it's something that they have to try. You know, they wanted to try this style of play, and I don't know now if Agba is going to stick to it for the next game against Albrecht. But if he sticks, then he has to really improve. The players have to really improve on what needs to be done. And I think he was maybe for first game jitters, and uh, uh, the number 80, ideal. I think if I'm not wrong, it's a very young player. Rudy has yeah, yeah, Rudy hasn't played for a very long time, and then uh, Iggy hasn't played for, for a year, a year and a half. And so I think it's the first game jitters for them. Let's get it out of the way, and then let's see. How it is going to be in a second, but again, it's interesting if if your if Agba is going to stay the same through through to his beliefs and continue throughout the season. But uh, I mean, looking at the Tampani side, I feel that Tampani play a poor game, right? I think with the quality that they have, they should have sealed the deal and sealed the game in the first half. Right? And I I saw like a few players still out, or maybe senior players not being doing play. Irfan Najib, I think, should be a starter. Pidaus Kasman not playing, and he Gavin wanted to put youngsters in. Yuen and and uh, Amirul Irwan Shah didn't start, so I think that throughout the season, if this uh, Tampere wants to achieve something, their best players must play from the start. Right, yeah, and tactically as well, I'm sure, pretty sure they are not sharp. I mean, it's the first game of the season; they haven't had good amount of preseason games. The match winners is still not up there yet. Uh, I would think that they will get better. How the game went, second half was just wow. They, they really didn't didn't play and they couldn't handle the transitions, which was what was the issue last season as well. I, I think uh, the 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 defensive line with with uh, with the uh, Brian Tanizal and the new Japanese guy is still not fantastically safe. Right, so. Uh, Gavin has to do something about it tactically. Right? Yeah. If not, yeah. If not, it's going to be a, a huge problem for them all season long. Right? Yeah, I, I agree. I think for Tampines, because you mentioned the players looking a bit, maybe lacking match fitness, but there are also a few players in unnatural positions, right? Christopher Van Huizen, I don't think he's a right wing back by trade. He looked a bit lost in that position. And I spoke to a couple of members of the Balestia Kalsa backroom after that. And they themselves mentioned he was lost on the pitch. He didn't know who to mark and stuff like that. So we talked all, all along about Akbar needing time. I do think Tampanese with the new players they have brought in as well will are going to need a fair bit of time to, to uh, so-called stamp the, the style of identity that Gavin wants. And I just feel with both these teams, they're going to be a work in progress all season long, right? Because... To your point, is Akbar going to stick to his guns? In the second half, he clearly didn't stick to his guns. He, yeah, yeah, he yeah. relented slightly and played to their strength. So, it'll be interesting to see as the season goes on. Yeah, I think uh, for Tampanese, they only added... Okay, they added a lot of young players. And they only added two senior players 
in, in locally in terms of you know, and increase and increase as a natural position on the left side which is something that they should be trying to occupy and at the same time i think Fidel offers a lot in midfield uh, experience a lot of calmness which which uh, value adds how kevin wants to play it's uh, i don't think they are going to take a lot of time they are senior players they, they should be be accustomed to how coach wants to play and then get it going as soon as possible but majority of the players are mainstayers and they have been there for two seasons at least and so it's not going to be that difficult but i think uh, the the lapses are by the younger players right? especially the second goal you can see from from uh, from amirul i think if i'm not wrong ryan sanita you didn't clear the ball really well and then there were a lot of uh, scrambling in in the penalty box but it's something that I think Gavin really should put his foot to his foot down and tell this player, hey, you can't make this kind of mistake, especially at this level. You know, you you are young, even if you are a young player, you are playing at a, a professional level now. You have to cut out all these little little mistakes. You're gonna cost you the games. And I think those Tampines lost two points rather than Barcelona gained that one point. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I don't think there's, there's much that we can disagree with what you've just said. And like what Roshan said, they're both going to be a work in progress. It's going to take some time for both of them to finally get into their groove. But let's move on to the last game of the weekend, that tasty Super Sunday clash between the Lion City Sailors and Haugang United at the Jalan Besar Stadium. So for the second game running, the Sailors conceded the opening goal, a sublime effort from Pedro Bartoluzo, but again, the Sailors did pretty much Sailors things, rallying to seal all three points courtesy of goals from that man, Kim Shin Wook, the industrious Vikram Rifki, and the delightful Diego Lopez. Peter, let's start with you first. What went wrong for Haugang in the second half after such an encouraging start? I wouldn't say uh, what went wrong for Haugang. I think it's more what went right for LCS. I think Kim... Kim uh, was smart enough to make sure that the number six of Haugang, doesn't matter whether it was Shafiq or Zul, right, was uh, being neutralized by putting Diego there. Right? I think in the first half, Hami couldn't really uh, stop that ball from being played all the time. So in the second, I think Diego, I mean, he knew how uh, to, to mark Zul out again, in a sense. So that forced uh, Kaishu or Nazim to get on the ball more. But I think Nazim haven't played so much as well. And then I think he was made to look bad because some of the Haugang players up front wasn't in really good position to receive the ball. Especially in the first half. I think Sahil... I, I was particularly disappointed with how Haugang played. Uh, I expected more from them. I expected a better fight at least. Right? Uh, which is why I, I feel that Haugang really, really didn't perform really well. But it was down to the players who, up, up front to me, especially the front four besides Pedro. I think Pedro worked really hard. Uh, Shawal was quite disappointing. Amy was quite disappointing in the first half. Uh, Sahil as well. Sahil didn't come into the spaces that he's supposed to come to in the, in the midfield line, the, the pocket to receive the ball. And that made uh, Kaishu's life difficult, Nazim's life difficult because they couldn't pick the passes. Right? They wanted, I think Haugang came with a totally different way of playing from last season, they were more counter-attacking team, they wanted to play down the flanks, but this year they wanted to play, you can see they wanted to possess the ball more, they wanted to hold the ball longer, find uh, spaces, find the pocket of space, and then with Pedro dropping off like Firmino, uh, then then turn and then play the ball to the, to the wings, but it couldn't happen because uh, there were a lot of uh, positions that wasn't occupied and it was easier for LCS to defend. 
Uh, first half was not too bad, but second, it was really, really difficult because they had more quality players coming in in terms of uh, LCS. So they knew how to counter that, and uh, which is why it was so difficult for Hagang to move forward. They could play to the midfield area, but after that, it's done because the last part of the attack was broken down because of bad decisions, because they were not enough support or uh you know everything was slow i think and also i feel that the plays were overwrought in a way like it's the first game uh against lcs which i feel i felt that they should have matched them i mean quality wise Kaogang is uh, is a good squad and i think mentally Kaogang is still not there yet with uh you know lcs have more championship mentality mentality players I and mean, Kaogang is still oh i'm I'm, I'm maybe mid-table or third or second. You know, I still haven't break break that barrier yet. So, but then I I, I hope that with more games coming up, they could they can uh, settle this problem. They can they can rectify these issues and move on and somehow you know get better and produce the the performance that they can produce. Yeah, Kitty, I I tend to agree with you. With going up against LCS, I think a lot of teams are going to feel that way because LCS are the champions. And when you look at the squad they have. Like you say, the changes they can make in the second half, it's, it's just unreal for any team going up against them. You can maybe play 45 minutes against them. It's going to be hard matching 90 minutes. We'll touch on LCS a bit more shortly. But for now, let's move on to my personal favourite segment, which is the fans' rant. Now, last week, we discussed the quality of broadcast and credit where it's due after a bit of a stumbling start on Friday. I must say the broadcast was decent through Saturday and Sunday. So fair play to the broadcasters. Well done. Hope it continues this weekend. Let's see who we have for this week's Fans Rant. For years now, it has been evident that the refereeing standards in local football need to improve. But it appears as though little is being done to do so. Once again, this opening SPL season was riddled with controversy and inconsistent decision-making. My main talking point here has to be about how that second goal for Tampines against Balestia was allowed to stand. My question here is, and I must state that this is not a personal attack on anyone, I would just like to know, why did the referee not halt play immediately once he saw the wrong team taking the throw in? Why did his officials not alert him to this fact as well? And more importantly, why did he allow this second goal to stand? All right, that's the fans' rant. And we just heard a very passionate fan talking at length about the refereeing in the Singapore Premier League. Kide, once again, I have to touch on that game you were at. At the Tampere Stadium, at the Topayo Stadium in the Ballastia Tampere game. Before I come to you, Kide, Farah, what did you make of uh, that <laughs> goal as a fan, actually? Because... I was watching the game at home and I was like, how has the referee allowed this? The players from Belastic Alsa were livid as well. Farah, what were your thoughts? Okay, when that game was happening, I was working, so I was pitch side. So when that happened, all I saw was just every single Belastic player going up to the referee and I'm like, guys, what happened to the comms? Because I had no idea, like I, I could not tell what happened. But only after I got back and I actually finally watched it again, Guys, what are you doing? I, I, I don't, I, I don't know how that has gone that way. I, I, I know a lot has been said about the standard of refereeing in Singapore for a very long time, and it is a very, very touchy subject. But I, I agree. I, 
we need to get the basics right at the end of the day. And I just don't know, going back to that game, that Valencia Tampanese game, how that was allowed to stand. Today, you were previously in the Ballastia dugout. I mean, you weren't on Saturday, but can you imagine yourself as a manager? How would you have felt if a decision like that went against your team? First and foremost, straight away, we would have gone up to the fourth referee and then, you know, say something, whether it's nice or not, is another thing altogether. Lah, huh? <laughs> but, but uh, you know, these are the things that kill the game. These are the things that, that can make a coach lose their jobs, you know, and let's call it as it is. If the coach is rubbish, we'll call, it, call him rubbish. If the players are rubbish, we'll call him rubbish. And now, you know, after, after offici- officiating for quite a number of years, we, sh- we shouldn't make that mistake. And to me, that's quite a basic mistake. It's not something that you don't really see, you know. I was at the stand. I saw him putting his hand up to point to the other side, to, to, to Ballastia. And then straight away, I was turning around, I was talking to my friend, and then it was a goal already. And so I, I didn't know what happened, right? So I, during halftime, I went to go and see what exactly happened. So uh, it's, it's like you already put your hand up to, to give it to Ballester, and you are the main referee, right? You, you decide. doesn't matter whether the AR is going to put it the other side or not. You decide. If you can overrule the AR. Because at the end of the day, you are in the center, right? So if you think that and you are convinced that you are giving the and making the right call, just make that call, right? And because of that, Ballester lost a goal, or rather, uh, yeah, Ballester consider a goal, and it's not something that should be happening at that stage. I mean, it's not some, it's not a, a incident where the referee is unsure or the referee won't know because he couldn't really see that well. I mean, he was clear, it was clear, put out his hand already up. And then he just decided to overturn because the ref, the assistant referee was just pointing it the other way. And moving forward, we cannot let this happen. Uh, it's it's just oh, it's ridiculous. It's really ridiculous. You know, if you might win a game, you might lose a game based on that one particular mistake. Of course, at the end of the day, if you're good enough, you have to win the game. That doesn't matter whether the referee is rubbish or not. But at the end of the day, you also need the help of the referee a little bit. I, I watched the game at home and I was in disbelief and after that the players reaction told me as much right like Darren T was proper in the referee's face and I'm like something's not right here something has been done my question is yes he's made the mistake yes it's led to a goal but surely as a referee at some point you want to draw the line and say nope I'm calling it back and you justice has to be served right that's the purpose of a referee right but I can assure you that this won't be the last time we're talking about this this season. And it's not just the Singapore Premier League. We saw at the weekend, Everton were denied a stonewall penalty against Man City as well. But, so it is it is an issue that 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 is going to play football matches. But I think to the fans' point as well as to our point, the fans who submitted the rent, it's enough is enough. We need to address it. And like he did said, if coaches are bad, we call them out. If players are bad, we call them out. If referees are bad, I'm guessing we should do the same. So thank you so much to the fan who submitted the rant. We do look forward to engaging fans all season long. So don't forget to submit your rant. So make sure you get in touch with us with anything. Doesn't all have to be bad. Can be good as well. We can talk about the good things. We look forward to receiving your rants as the season goes on. Without further ado, let's look ahead to match day two in the Singapore Premier League. Feels like match day one just ended, boy. But anyway, Friday kickstarts the weekend at 7.45 at our Tampines Hub. Geylang International are in action for the first time this season and they don't have it easy because they're going up against the Lion City Sailors. That kicks off at 7.45. Bit of team news here. 
Forrest Romley and Adam Sw Adam Swandy will be in contention for this one after missing out on the opening day. Gabriel Quack is still a doubt, while Noah Adam is still injured. And for Geelang, Abdul Kaim is suspended, having been sent off in the last game last season. And then COVID-ridden Geelang last week, I hear, had up to 15 players affected. So their training would have been disrupted as well. But as things stand, the game will go ahead. Kitty, I'll come to you first on this. Quick question about Diego, who you identified as a difference maker. There's a lot of quarters of fans saying, why doesn't Diego start then? He's clearly very, very good. He's clearly well held off by his teammates. So why doesn't he start games? Uh, if uh, you look at it, uh, like how okay, I've seen him throughout last season and the season before. I mean, the, the first season he had, I think he was adapting to the league. He was adapting to the pitch. He was adapting to his own team as well. Uh, but the first, the first full season that he had, he, when he started, he didn't really make a lot of impact. Right? It was only after a while when he maybe got accustomed to how the, the league is, the competition, and himself, uh, the weather, then he started to, to, to impose himself on every game that he, he played. I myself is like think, I'm thinking at it in, uh, in Kim's shoes. Like, why wouldn't I play him knowing that he's going to be a quality uh, addition to the, to the first 11 instead of maybe Song or, or whoever that, that starts. But in terms of the whole game plan, it works. You know, every time he comes in, he gives LCS a whole new dimension. He's very dynamic. Every time he gets into the pockets, he turns, he runs at the defenders. You know something is going to happen. Right? You know that and looking at the last two games, him and Kim Shin Wook's uh, combination is quite deadly. It's always him finding each other, uh, uh, Kim or Kim finding him, and it's always in good positions. So technically, as a whole, it works for for LCS, right? But now, looking at the quality that he has brought in every single game, he is knocking on on Kim's door and telling Kim, "Hey, I want to start. I need to start, and I deserve a start because of whatever that is." Uh, I, whatever I bring to each game. So I'm pretty sure Kim has a plan for him. I mean, I read somewhere that, that uh, they had a talk during preseason and uh, Diego is a very important part of uh, Kim's plans. And I'm pretty sure maybe in, in Champions League, he will feature more. Or then maybe in SPL, he will start to feature more once the season goes on. Right? And I think he's still not fully 100% fit with his injury the past uh, two, three weeks. Uh, and with Maxim... You know, now being brought in, you can see in the second half when he was on, his, his pace and intensity is different. You know? So uh, with these three players, wow, he's going to be crazy. And against uh, Geelang, where he's COVID-ridden, uh, Abdul is out, lack match practice, uh, lack training, I think, lack, lack, lacking in match prep, it's going to be a long, long night and long, long evening for, for Geelang. Right? So uh, quality-wise, there's no way you can match LCS. Right? But at the same time, uh, I hope that Geelang put in a credible performance at least. Not an 8 nil drubbing, uh, but you know, they're still going to lose. Like, I think. Yeah? They're still going to lose, but not 8 nil. I, I think you bring out a fair point. It's hard for me to disagree that LCS really have a bit too much. The only thing that I feel might work to Geelang's favour is LCS played on Sunday and then five days later they're playing whereas Geelang are fresher. So if anything, the fatigue factor, but we are talking about Alliance City Sailors with 
state-of-the-art sporting facilities, sports yeah, science yeah. facilities. So yeah. I don't think recovery is going to be much of a problem we for can, them. We can put in another 11. <laughs> still of exactly. good quality. Uh, so uh, they have Izwa and they still have, have uh, uh, no, Amiru Adli or whoever that, that comes in. It's still a very, very good 11. And so I don't think that is even a factor. But, you know, I, I would think that more players will be given a chance in the second half, uh, more game time. How, how, how do you see this one? How much I, are Lion City Sailors going to win this by? Lion City Sailors is not a, a possession team. Okay, they are still very efficient, very Korean type, very efficient. They are not going to hold on to the ball for 70% of the time. It's still maybe going to be 55, 45 or 60, 60, 40. But by the end of the day, they have the most little striker at this point of time with Kim Shin Woo. Right? Uh, I don't think the defence line of uh, Geelang individually can can match him in terms of height, in terms of quality. Uh, but what they can do is to stop the service from coming in. Right? Uh, it's tough. It's really tough. They have Maxim, they have they have Faris, they have Adam Zwandi, they have Song, they have a lot of players who can do a lot of damage. Uh, what Geelang needs to do is to stay compact. You know, uh, yeah, I think how Noali wants to play, you have to throw that out of the window as well. You know, just be efficient, be compact. Zuzul, again, I mentioned in the previous show, Zuzul is a, is a counter-attacking striker. So, this game is very suited for him. So, now we need to see the battle between Pedro or Pedrao against uh, Zuzul, which is quite exciting. Or if Zuzul goes on the other side, it's with, with Harris. Right? But you have to know the qualities of your team. You have to know the qualities of the opponent and Again, how you're going to use your team's characteristics to counter that. And I think Geelang has it, right? But sometimes maybe it's just too much. I feel that certain parts of the game is just going to be too much for Geelang. And if LCS scores early goal and then maybe Geelang will crumble or not, right? we have to really look at the situation. And we also don't know who's going to be playing uh, with Geelang, you know? It, it can be... Can be maybe some of them are still having COVID. I really don't know. So, if it's what's not- the prediction here, Kide? Four what is wow, four <laughs> zero uh, to Gelang? Lah. No, uh, to Lion City Sailors, <laughs> of course. Okay, okay. I, I, I see your four. I'm gonna do one better. I'm gonna go five zero to LCS. <laughs> <laughs> Farah, you? I'm gonna go four one LCS. I'm giving Gelang that consolation goal one cause you know what it's so funny because i feel like they haven't even kicked the ball all season and people are already like plotting their downfall <laughs> which is quite sad i mean and last friday as well nothing. we saw an upset yeah. so having downplayed tanyo paga so it'll be interesting to see yeah, yeah. maybe they hear our podcast and then they they get fired up <laughs> exactly exactly okay moving on the next game up on saturday is Alvarex against Balesia Khalsa. That's taking place at the Jurong East Stadium on Saturday. Kickoff at 5.30pm. A little bit of team news. Nikki Melvin Singh is finally back from Cambodia, so he could feature. Meanwhile, for Balesia, Ami Hakim will miss out with an injury with one of their captains, Ho Wei Lun, in doubt. Now, Hider, which Balesia side do you think will be best equipped to deal with Alvarex? That first half Balesia that we saw against Tampines or that second half I think uh, Akbar is still going to try to come out and play like in the first half. But I'm sure he's, has, he's going to make some tweaks to how is he going to set up to make sure that the, the first half performance against Tampines won't happen again. Right? But at the, at the site of a little bit of failure, I, don't, I think he's going to revert 
and play it safe with how he performed in the second, in the second half. Uh, I think Agba is smart enough to know what he has and what he doesn't. And if Balestier decides to, to, to if, it, if, it, if it's successful the way they play in the first half, they are going to stick to that. And I think it's, they can score from, from uh, open play. They have Jumbo, they have uh, Tanaguchi, and they have Kondo. Uh, although I felt that Kondo was a little bit off the other day, but this Jumbo is still a quality player. Tanaguchi is still a good, good player, good enough to combine and score in, to score the goals for Valencia. And Albirex, you won't know how they're going to react now. Uh, but I'm hoping they, are, they, are, they still won't find their feet too much. Right? And they are still going to try to play that they want to play, but look, lacking in time for preparation as well. I know when you play on Saturday, Sunday is most likely is recovery day or off. And then you only have about two, three days to play a Friday game. So you can't really do much in the two, three days. So it's about the individual quality. And if the players come out to play at their best, then we might see a performance against LCS the way that they played. But if they are just going to continue the same way as they did against uh, Tanjong, then I, which I hope they will, I want Balestier to take this one. I want Balestier to, to win it by maybe a goal at least. Well, quickly giving us your prediction. I'm with you, you know, I don't know whether it's a good time to face Elbrex or a bad time to face Elbrex. Because one, they are down, having lost the opening weekend. Maybe now their confidence is a bit shortened. The other one is Yoshinaga looks like a crazy manager, man. I feel like he would have fired the boys up and they will come out all guns blazing against Ballastia. But I'm going to back what I said. I do think Elbrex are not going to be a force to be reckoned with. I'm going for a one-all draw at the Jurongi Stadium. Farah, what about you? Well, I'm just gonna go with Elbrex making it two one. I said again, it's Elbrex. I don't. Again, I feel I don't, I don't know how to say. It. I feel like you know, Balestia obviously showed us what they've got at the weekend. And interestingly, I was actually gonna say that having watched that game and being pitch side, right? It was amazing to see how. And I feel people might know this already, but it was so nice to see how Akbar Nawaz was so incredibly motivating to his players the entire time especially you know when they were one down two down he was it, it, this is something that you know you would want to have as players even though you're already down and people are not expecting you to like put up any fight but when you have a manager like that who who fires you up in such a way I wouldn't be surprised if they come back out on Saturday and and give us another performance and maybe win it but I still think Elbrex has a little bit more quality to them. So I'm just going to go to one. That's what I'm going to say. And I think Akbar has been a breath of fresh air. The way he speaks to the media, the way he, he carries himself. You know, he, I, I somehow was talking to you, I think, Farah, and then you were mentioning that he was, he said that Tepri uh, is going to thrash them 7 nil or something seven like that. Eight, yeah. uh, and I think he has been trying to do that against Tempani's playing mind games and all. And I think it's good for the league. It's good for, for the entertainment that we, we, we can provide for the league. It's always, it's always managers being safe or coaches being safe with their answers, with, their, with what they say. Right? So, we're having Hagba around and hopefully others follow suit as well. It's going to be... I mean, it's, 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 it's what people want. Isn't it? It's not something that's boring all the time. So, I, I expect him to do more of that throughout the season and uh, let's see what he says in, has in store against Albrecht what he has to say 
Yeah, 100%. I think the characters is what uh, a lot of fans look forward to and Aguan Awas is quite a character. I think pre-match, he will say 7-8-0 to Elbrex again. But we shall wait and see. Alright, moving on to the third game of the weekend. The final game of the weekend, it's Tanjong Paga United up against Haugang United. That's at 5.30pm at the Jurongi Stadium. Bit of team news before we get stuck into the preview. Tanjong Paga should be able to welcome Faisal Rafri and Kyle Ramri who have recovered from COVID-19. Centre-back Sharin Sabrin is also available after serving out his one-match suspension. But a key performer last week, Emrik Ong, is out with COVID-19, unfortunately. And Shakir Hamza and Daniel Bennett remain, remain unavailable due to injury and fitness issues. As for Haugang, Lionel Tan, who was on the bench on Sunday, will be pushing for a start. But Afik Noor is out after suffering what looked like a, quite a bad injury at Jalan Besar on Sunday. Kide, coming to you first, injuries continue to mount for Tanya Paga. I just went through the whole list. Yes, Faisal Rafi and Kairul Amri are back, but and Sharon Sabrin, but still plenty of absentees. And even we saw a couple of other players uh, get stretched off in that victory against Elbrex. Can they pull out another rabbit from the hat against Haugang United? They are they are very close knit. I think that's the main strength of the team, right? When I mean, quality-wise, they are not up there, but in terms of camaraderie, in terms of team spirit, I think they are number one. And that can get through a lot of difficult moments. And I think now, with a lot of players out, it's a difficult time for Tanjong. Uh, even, I mean, against Elbirex, who were out of sorts and still not uh, 100% yet or even close to 50% yet, they might need a result. Right? But against Haugang, uh, I mean, I've heard that uh, a few other players are, are injured as well. So, I don't know who's going to be playing, but they still have a lot of quality there. Right? I mean, you, if Pedro is out, you can put Sahil. If, if uh, Shawar is out, Sahil also can play, play over there. You know, Zul is there. Andre Morris is there. Right? So, uh, I think they are quite thin in defence. So, if their defensive uh, players are out, then it might be a worry for them. But with the... I saw the, their game against each other in pre-season. Uh, in terms of possession, Aogang was getting maybe 80-85% of it, right? but they just couldn't score with the number of chances also they have. Right? So if they can rectify that, I don't think it's going to be an issue for, for Aogang to, to win the game. But at the same time, we still we, are, we still yet to know how, how many others are injured or how many others are out. I mean, COVID is really crazy now, right? So we might not have a good elect of or, uh, first 11 of Haugang to play. Uh, I mean, tactically, Haugang will always be, be superior in terms of possession. If, to me, their problem will have to be them scoring the goal. Right? Uh, they can have 80% of possession, but it's always at the defensive third and midfield third. So getting up front, you need to be quick, you have to be decisive, you have to be incisive, and that is something they need to work on. And again, that comes with with uh, match practice, they, they, they comes with match sharpness. Right? And once they get that, I think Pedro is a very clinical striker. You can see from his goal, like one touch and then bang. And you can see another shot from him in the last few moments of the game, uh, Hassan Sif. I think that they have a good player, very, very good striker in Pedro. And if everyone plays to their potential or their ability, uh, with Shawal and Amy, they are going to be a very difficult side to defend against. Yeah, but, and I think Tanjung will have a very difficult time against them uh, this Saturday, or sorry, this Sunday. So, Hidir, all of that 
But what is your prediction? I would go for uh, Haugang win 2 nil. Interesting, Roshan. What about you? Uh, after the way today uh, set it up there, it's hard to <laughs> hard to disagree that Haugang have a lot more ammunition compared to Tanjung Paga. Yeah. But I got a bit of soft spot for Tanjung Paga. I don't know what I mean. I not just based on last week is that that kampung spirit you talk about when we speak to various different players in their camp. They have a good family feel to them, and maybe that's why I'm fond of them. But 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 I do think Haugang showed a lot of promise, and I think Haugang will learn from. I felt they lapsed in the second half against uh, Lion City Sailors and I feel like the coaching team at Haugang would have uh, learned from that so I expect them to come out stronger against Tanjong Paga. Um, not every day Sunday, although this game is on a Sunday, I think uh, Haugang are going to win this 3-0 quite comfortably. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> Farah? Interesting because I was going to say that I'm going to go with a 2 all draw. Okay, okay. okay. Sitting I, on the fence, that's fine. I, yeah, sitting on the fence... I mean, I have to agree with what you guys are saying. Haugang definitely way more superior. But Tanjung Paga definitely have what it takes, even though, you know, literally just seen it at the weekend. Depleted squad. Sometimes all you need is a little bit of that fighting spirit. You might not have, you know, you might not match them in terms of quality, in terms of, you know, squad depth and all of that. But I feel sometimes when you want it and you have that, you know, that desire to go for it, Things can happen just like how they've beaten Albrecht and no one's coming. I think you made a fair point because if you look at how uh, Haugang uh, was in the last game, they were very poor in transitions, defending transitions. But if they are set in defense to press and they were they were quite okay. And if you are playing against Sanjung Paga who who are playing on transitions, attacking transitions, you might get caught. Mm. You might get caught. But again, I still feel that Haugang would uh, rectify the problems that they have had against LCS and then, you know, somehow with the quality that they have neutralized the counter-attacks from Tanjung. You you touched on it there earlier just now. You said maybe the coaches are listening to the podcast and they might change. I'll, <laughs> I'll give you a cheeky nugget that Hasrin Jailani told me after beating Elbrex. He said, continue to downplay us. We love it because we love the <laughs> underdog tag. So, for me, I'm going Haugang 3-0. Alright, guys, it's been fabulous building up to match day two. I think uh, Kide, you shared some fabulous insight on uh, what we can expect in terms of the tactical battles as well as the teams going into match day two. One last segment to get out of the way and that's who's got the armband. Well, Farah was the big winner after game week one. Kim Shin Wook scoring and he did the first goal in LCS's 3-1 victory over Haugang and that bagged her five points. As for Deepen and I, the lesser we say, I think the better because Deepen backed Tadanari Lee and I backed Amy Reka, both drew blank. So, well done Farah. Early bird catches the worm, but plenty of match days left. Who's got the armband for this week then? Let's start with Kide. Who's going to be your standout player of the week? I think it's going to be Pedro. Okay. Which, which Pedro? Sorry, I have to, Pedro, I have to uh, verify. Haugang's Pedro. Haugang's Pedro. Okay. Okay. Farah, you want to go first since you're the uh, league leader? It's going to be like me against Hideo, you know, because I actually have Rio on, on my list, my captain's Who oh. Rio? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, the, okay. Yeah, so it's basically me against Hideo. Maybe the 2-2 is actually me. Okay, okay. For Rio and okay, and I'm going to play you? my I'm going to play my Wookiee card this week. I think it's Kim Shin Wook. He's in for a field day against Geylang. Uh, maybe you <laughs> think I'm going to question question why I'm playing it so early into the season, but I just think Kim Shin Wook is going to toy with that Geylang defense and come out trumps and possibly do very well this weekend. Kide Kimis, 
It's been excellent having you on the show today to give us so much insight. We Thank really you. enjoyed your company. Those listening in, I hope you've enjoyed the preview to Match Day 2. Farah, we've enjoyed your company as well and I hope you do worse off in the armband round next week. But nonetheless, <laughs> all the same, we look forward to your company again next week. Do continue to like, share and subscribe to the channel. We'll see you next week. Enjoy the football.